There are some people that make their work just another thing they have to do. And there are those that make their work something that they want to do. Welcome to Working on Purpose with your host, Elise Cortez. In our program, we provide guidance and inspiration from those people who have found deeper meaning and personal connection to their work life. It's beyond 9 to 5. It's Working on Purpose. Now, here is your host, Elise Cortez. Welcome back to the Working on Purpose show. Thanks for tuning in again this week. I'm your host, Elise Cortez, joining you live from Dallas, Texas, which is home base for me. If you've been tuning in for a while, you know this program is all about helping people create more meaningful and productive personal and work lives and equipping leaders inside organizations to cultivate meaning and purpose that elicits passion, inspired contribution, innovation, and persevering performance. I talk with my guests to draw on their expertise and share my own experience consulting, speaking, and developing workforces across the globe. Every week in these conversations, I hope you walk away with something you can immediately put into use in your life and that you come alive with a possibility of living with passion, working on purpose, and are inspired to discover for yourself just how big and fulfilling your life, work, and leadership can be. And if you do catch fire from anything you hear, reach out and tell me about it. Email me at elise at elisecortez.com or use the contact me feature on my website to message me. You might tell me how I can help you among some of these areas, whether you want to join the distribution list to stay informed of these radio show topics, you want to see about joining a Catch Fire online inspiration, accountability, or mastermind community, you want information on my purpose-driven leadership programs for individuals or companies, or you want to see about having me speak for your company or conference. At any rate, I'm glad we're connected, and thanks again for listening. Now, on to this week's program. With us today is Nick Craig, the author of the newly published book, Leading from Purpose, and the president of Core Leadership Institute, where he guides executives on the journey to discover and lead with purpose. He joins us today from Harvard, Massachusetts, where it's one degree under zero. Thank you very much. Welcome to Working on Purpose, Nick. Thank you. It's great to be in a nice warm room as I speak. <laughs> wow. I don't want to trade places with you. I'm in Dallas. It's 50 some degrees and I'm good with that. So um, no. I've read your book, Nick, and you are just brilliant. And I am so happy to share you with my listeners. And I've read the whole thing from cover to cover. So I got a lot of questions for you. And I thought we would start with, I mean, I know that you've been in the, the leadership consulting and coaching business for many, many years, but how did you end up doing this work around purpose? Yeah, so um, I think what's interesting is that um, purpose tends to, isn't something that you sort of go to college and say, you know, I want to do work on purpose. Um, in some ways, <laughs> what happens is it comes and grabs you and says, um, you know what, you're not going to ignore me and here we go. You know, my version of that was uh, a little over 10 years ago, I was working with a colleague named Bill George, who was at Harvard Business School, and we had created a, a model for authentic leadership, and one of the topics that we knew we needed to cover was purpose. The problem is it was bombing in the classroom, and so I, get all the, I got all the hard pieces, so I got purpose, and I had to go figure this thing out. In the process of doing that, um, we started doing some senior exec ed programs, and the first place we did it was uh, GE in Cronenville. They... Uh, had a list. We had a list of topics, and we and they said, "Well, we want this, this, and we want purpose." I said, "No, you don't want purpose." <laughs> <laughs> I was like, "There's no, 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 no. You do not want to do this." And they were like, "No, you don't understand. You know, you don't have a choice." I was like, "Oh, that's how this works." Um, what was interesting for me is that in the process of teaching the material, along with a lot of other pieces, the participants showed me how important this was to them. Mm. I mean, I got to hang out with a bunch of individuals. And I got to work at G, was with GE I did from 2007 to 2010. 
So I got to go through the whole recession mm, with them. Right. So when 56, stock went from 56 to 6. Now, it's not doing so good these days, but it's for different reasons. But back then, that was the first time they'd sort of hit that um, that stop sign in their journey. And what was interesting was that as uh, alumni came back in 2010, uh, when participants said, well, so of all the stuff you did, what was the most useful to you during the most challenging moments of your leadership in the last couple of years? These guys and gals would say purpose. And I was like, what? <laughs> <laughs> I was like, what are you talking about? I says, And then all of a sudden they'd point at me and they'd say, you know, this guy is, and I was like, oh, you know, that thing we did. So what, what I discovered is that, um, Purpose is the ultimate antidote to uncertainty. And for these leaders in the times of the greatest uncertainty, the one thing that was solid ground that they could stand on, and this is what they told me was their purpose. Everything else, the bonuses, the stock options, um, everything was being ripped away. And this one guy said, look, um, everything I'd given them was, was, was crumbling. And so I realized the only thing I had to stand on was my purpose. And my purpose is to be the whitewater raft guy that gets you safely to the other side. I remember that from your book, that example. Wow. Isn't it great? I mean, I, I now today, all these years later, Nick, can you believe that we're not talking about purpose and how, how, how you almost stumbled past it? Yeah. And, I, you know, the bottom line is it wasn't like I thought it was something worth focusing on. Okay. I thought it was this nice, fluffy thing that people did when they had extra time. <laughs> right. Right. Well, okay. So the next thing that probably makes sense to talk about here is I've heard lots of different definitions of purpose, but how do you define it? Yeah, you know, it's interesting. I've I've bumped in early on. I tried out all the versions and then they would all break on me and I'd be like, okay, so now how I got to put this thing back together. For me, purpose is at its core is that unique gift that you bring to the world. And I guess the best way I could put it is that if I replaced anyone who's listening to this with someone equally as skilled and capable as they are in their life, in their job. And then I was to interview everyone around that person three months later and say, what do you most miss? The answer to that question would be your purpose. You know, I did that exercise, Nick, and it was fantastic. It really was great, a great exercise. There's so many useful things in your book, and that was one of the things that I put right to you. So I won't talk about what the results were for that, but that'll be for another conversation. But many pearls, Nick, from that. Yeah, because I think that, you know, for most of us, um, look, we have our skills, we have our capabilities, we have our roles, we have a lot of stuff, and we put a lot of stock in them. But they're all fragile in the sense that someone gives them to us, some of them take and take them away. And every day we open the newspaper, read, read about people and the consequence of that being the case. And in some sense, you know, what I see as purpose is, is, is it's, it is the one thing that no one can take away from you. Mm-hmm. And in some ways, it's what you bring to a meeting, a conversation, an experience that if you aren't there, it won't show up. Yeah, I got that so clearly from your book, and that just really, really takes me back when I when I hear, when I read that when I hear you say it again because it it shows up so powerfully in the room that way when you say it that way, and I get that. Yeah, because I think that you know, in some sense, if we look at you and you look at this this broadcast, there's something you bring to this dialogue that no one else is going to bring, and the more you know what it is, the more you can own it. And the more you can own it, the more you can lead from it. 
Right. Well, and to that end, I mean, you've already talked about how our, our purpose can really help in, in times of uncertainty, that just what you talked about during the recession is incredibly powerful. Um, how do leaders access their purpose, though? How, how do they find it? People ask me that all the time. Yeah, I mean, this was like, um, my experience has been is that there's three major access points to purpose, okay? Uh, I mean, the first access point to purpose is there's, most of us, no matter how tough our childhood was, you can identify some magical moments in our childhood that once we, when we talk about them, the curious kid inside of us sort of shows up and just gets all energized. And in many of those experiences um, is the essence of how we see the world and what's the gift that we bring to it. That's one sort of access point. Uh, another access point is some of our most challenging life experiences and how we dig ourselves out of that hell that we might have been in. Each of us does that in a unique way. And in there, I found many of the insights about what's the gift somebody brings. Uh, the third place I found that purpose can be found is that some of us have passions that transcend our uh they're not about money that we do them because they somehow speak to some deeper part of us. And in those uh, passions is a access point to that place of purpose. So, you know, for me, most of the time when I'm working with individuals, we're looking at those different access points and we're unpacking and discovering what is that version of the purpose that is them. Now, when I talk about purpose, and the, you know, a lot of people will come up with a set of words, the, whatever the words are that we come up with are, are like a key to a room. What matters is the, what's inside the room itself. And that I think that for all of us, there's a room of purpose that is so much bigger, more beautiful than any set of words we might use. Mm-hmm. I really get that. And I did see that, that, that set of those, those three access points in your book, and they're so clearly written about. And, and I do think they give, us, they give us a space to be able to discover from. So I found that useful as well. Um, I want to go on to, to M- impact next, Nick. You've got sure. a whole bunch of stuff there about impact, about how w- what purpose does in terms of our, our professional and our personal lives. And I don't know how many of these we can get through, but let's let's crack on them. Um, the first one you talk about is clarity of focus. So how does purpose give us clarity and focus? You know, it's interesting because when I started doing the interviews for this book, that was not something that I would associate with purpose per se. But what happened when I talked to people is is that time after time, everybody would say, you know, of all the things that I would miss if I didn't know my purpose, it would be the clarity and focus to make the hard decisions that I don't think I could have made otherwise. And they were basically decisions in a world in which there was no data or there was not enough data that was ever going to help us to solve it. And so in some ways, what I found is that people feel a more of a sense of clarity and focus and being able to make those hard decisions. And in some ways, it's independent of whether it's they're in a fog or they're, they're actually in the sunlight. They, they feel it because their purpose speaks to them and says, listen, here's where you need to be. Here's the job you should be taking. It doesn't make any sense, but this is what makes sense. Or here's the choice that you need to make. It almost feels to me, Nick, like that purpose, it it gives us a way to illuminate all those extraneous things that take us away from delivering on our purpose or living our purpose. They become, I don't know, so visible and easy just to knock out like they just don't belong. Yeah, and I think the funny part, though, is I want to be just 
honest is that, you know, I spend much, most, a lot of my time and most everybody else I know running in all, into all those other places, hoping mm-hmm. they're going to be great places to be. And then we find ourselves getting kicked out. And at some point we go, okay, this is not working. And then we sort of say, well, if I was listening to my purpose, now what would I be doing? <laughs> you know, at least it's after there's lots of blood and, and bruises and everything else. And then you go, oh, okay, that's actually not so hard. Okay, now I get what that is. And so I, I don't, you know, I think that I just want to be humble and truthful for everyone who's listening is that as much as I would like purpose to be so crystal clear that you always make the choice the first time right up, my sense is that purpose is the is the background that's always there. It's the one that will always take care of you and always be there for you and never uh, forget you, even though you forget it. And, and it will be there always. Yes. And along those lines, what you just narrated there, Nick, I really want to say thank you also and appreciate you for how authentic you wrote your authentically you wrote your book because you did talk to us about how some of the things that you tried on didn't always work and some of your experiences weren't always the best. And I really appreciate and applaud and am inspired by how you did that. Mm. Yeah, well, purpose made me do that one. So, <laughs> <laughs> purpose made me do it. Okay, good. I'm serious. There are times when I'm writing this, going, okay, I don't think I actually want to print this, and my purpose says, no, you've got to print this thing. Stop. <laughs> so I'm like, okay, we'll just. I'm not. I'm gonna listen. I I think it's gorgeous and it's very inspiring, really. So thank you, and and that brings us probably to the next the next point about impact that maybe is related to that. It's growth, and you talk about growth you can count on. And then there's also something you talk about with regarding the growth mindset with purpose. What what do you mean by the two of those sets? Yeah, so here's the good news: is that um, I have worked with some individuals who, because of knowing their purpose, have been able to generate double digit growth in their businesses. Um, one of them was the CEO of Ben and Jerry's for the last eight years, and another one was a guy who got 400% growth in a business in a third world country that nobody ever thought was even worth anything. And there's a whole stream of people. Um, you know what purpose will do is purpose will say those wimpy goals you have those are really useless. Let's give you something worth really jumping into, and it'll <laughs> get you to go there. Now you might not hit the mark of what you sort of stoke for, shoot for, but you'll go way beyond what the normal numbers were that somebody said you should or shouldn't do because you won't. You're not going to listen to that. So that's sort of the the, the simple version. But the, the when I looked deeper underneath all of that to what made these individuals tick and what made them so successful. What I discovered was something that Carol Dweck had discovered when she looked at kids, which was something called the growth mindset versus the fixed mindset. So the way it works is, is that if we if we look at kids, the, the fixed mindset is, is that you think you're either good or bad at math or English, and then you spend the rest of your education reinforcing the fact that that's the truth. Okay? the the That's the fixed mindset. The growth mindset is, no matter how bad you happen to have done on any of those things at any moment in time, if you really dedicate time and energy toward it, you can actually become really, really good at it. Okay? And that's yep. the growth mindset. And the growth mindset comes from a deep place of curiosity and possibility. The fixed mindset is trying never to make, ne- never to be seen as anything other than the way you'd like to be seen, which makes you fragile. 
Mm-hmm. And so my sense is that purpose is the ultimate antidote to the fixed mindset because purpose is always stretching us and saying, really? That's where you're going to stop? Come right. Okay. You're going to be satisfied with that? Yes. Is well, it- I really like how you generated that and brought that to life for us, Nick, because I do know Carol Dweck's work, and but the the notion of being of, of standing if you're in a fixed mindset of, of making sure that you try to be who you want to be or be seen as who you want to be is actually a very nice application that I haven't heard before. Well, good. I'm glad you appreciate it. Yeah, absolutely. And on that note, Nick, let's grab our first break. I'm your host, Elise Cortez. We've been on the air with Nick Craig. He is the author of the newly published book, Leading from Purpose, and the president of Core Leadership Institute, where he guides executives on the journey to discover and lead with purpose. He joins us today from Harvard, Massachusetts. We've been talking about his new book. We're going to continue the conversation after the break. Stay with us. We'll be right back. Elise Cortez is a speaker and engagement and development catalyst. She designs and delivers professional development, leadership, and engagement workshops and can bring her expertise to your organization. She will help ignite meaningful development within your workforce that will increase employee engagement, performance, and retention. To learn more or to invite Elise to speak to your organization, please visit her at www.elisecortez.com. She would welcome the opportunity to help get your employees working on purpose. This is Working on Purpose with Elise Cortez. To reach our program today, send an email to Elise, A-L-I-S-E, at EliseCortez.com. Now, back to Working on Purpose. Thanks for staying with us, and welcome back to Working on Purpose. If you're just joining us, my guest is Nick Craig. He is the author of the newly published book, Leading from Purpose, and the president of the Core Leadership Institute, where he guides executives on their journey to discover and lead with purpose. He has worked with organizations including Ben & Jerry's, Heineken, ING Bank, Lego, Unilever, and the United States Military Academy at West Point. So, Nick, before the break, we were talking about some of the the areas of impact that that purpose has on, on our professional and personal lives, and the next one up that I wanted to talk about, which is very near and dear to my heart because I've studied it for a long time, and that's identity. So yeah. what's the correlation, the connection between purpose and identity? You know, I th- this is way, um, I spent so much time with so many senior executives who don't have lost track of who they are. Um, they sit in front of me, they've been, they've been promoted to the point where they no longer can use any of their expertise, skills, or knowledge. Right. And they are struggling to figure out what is it that they actually bring because they don't know. And what this, what I discovered is that in the process of helping them uncover their purpose, they, for the first time, actually knew what is it that they brought that was their gift. It's their true identity, independent of the education university or whether they're marketing or engineer or whatever the case may be which is how they define their identity up until that point, which was also what was causing them to do the job of the people that worked for them as opposed to doing the job they needed to do, which is going into the unknown territory that nobody had figured out yet. And so I think that that's the real 
gift that purpose brings for us is it reveals that deeper sense of identity that is the one that is only ours. And that's really the, that's the gift of purpose. Oh, and what I know, that's so great, Nick. I love that. What I know about identity is, among many other functions, it's a it's a behavior driver. Um, so if if we're actually behaving from from our from our identity of purpose and purpose, then that's that's a pretty strong path to to come from. Yeah, and I just think that um, if I look at how many people, so I uh, you know I worked with a a guy, uh, I worked with a guy Rajay, and you know he had been he was on track to become. Um, head of HR for a very large company. And everybody was telling him that he was going to get this big promotion. And when, and I mean, they're all, everybody was telling him. And when the announcement came out, out, there was somebody else's name on the announcement. And of course, he was incredibly devastated. Now, his purpose was lights, camera, action. You know, we really, you know, and let's make it happen and let's really do it. And it came from him as a kid and he loved sort of creating theater and being on stage as a kid and getting others on stage and, and writing plays. And it was, it was sort of his whole ethos. And his orientation to his purpose was to always help everybody else step on stage. And what he realized is, is that he had a choice. He could go leave and be disgruntled and go work somewhere else and sort of uh, protect his identity, or he could let go of that and realize that independent of the title and everything else, he could live his purpose. And he realized there was two people who were a couple of layers below him who had been overlooked for a couple of promotions. And so he decided to spend the next year making sure that they got the promotions that they really deserved. Now, in the process of doing this, of course, he ends up with a great promotion himself. But it was only after he let go of his uh, corporate identity that he was free to really step into and own his own, what he, what he was really here to do. Mm. And so I think for all of us, you know, the true identity is is not the one we think it is. It's after everything else is stripped away, what's left. Right. Oh, I do remember that story from your book. Uh, that's it's an it's an incredible story and a testament to what it is to step back and really stand from our purpose. So, oh, it's gorgeous stuff, Nick. So how how long have you been working in this purpose space? A uh, little Lizzie, at this point, oh, a good ten to twelve years. I've been in. I've we've worked. I've worked. We've worked with the group. We've probably worked with over fifteen thousand people now. Wow, that's so great! Talk about impact and make a difference in the world, Nick. That's so great. Well, and and on that note, the next thing I want to talk about is is energy as one of the impact pieces of purpose and. You talk about purpose as being really a true source of energy, and I absolutely agree with that, and that leadership pr- purpose promotes company engagement. So this becomes really interesting because people say, okay, how do you connect purpose with engagement? Yeah, so I think here's the – let's put it this way. Um, I know a lot of people who, when I interact with them, they at some point finally admit the fact that they're exhausted. <laughs> and that what they're exhausted from mostly is trying to look like they're not exhausted and trying to act like everything's wonderful and they're the energizer buzzy because everybody else is acting like the energizer buzzy bunny, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so, uh, I mean, one funny example. So I was at West Point teaching the program and I have all these people who are uh, very impressive uh, military and professors and whatever. And what turns out was is that they all thought that somebody made a mistake in letting them in. Okay. 
<laughs> Every one of them thought that that everybody else belonged in, but they didn't. And everybody else looked confident, but they were all in the room together saying, well, we all look confident, but the truth is, is we all think that everybody else belongs to be here, but not us. <laughs> and, you know, that is enormously de-energizing. Okay. And I think that in some sense, the beauty of purpose is that when you have your purpose, you're finally home. Yeah, I love how you say that in your book. That's so great. Yeah. And when you're finally home, then you actually have energy in a different way. And I think that the, look, I think that knowing your purpose will put you in harm's way more often than would be if you don't know your purpose. But you have energy in a different way because you're not trying to fake it anymore. There, you're, you're pretty clear what it is you are and, and, and who you are. And so from that place, the energy that you speak from and you operate from is at a very different layer. Now, it's not to say that you don't spend a lot of time being exhausted and tired and all those things. That happens as well. But I think that the deeper level of where the energy comes from, it's not coming from the external thing that you're excited about. It comes from the internal thing that is driving through you. Mm. Okay, so let's take that a little one step further if we can in terms of, a, of an organization. So th- thinking about how do we thread the energy of that one person and we look toward creating a more satisfied, fulfilled, and energetic workforce, what's the thread for us, Nick? How, how does this purpose stuff work energetically inside an organization to, to catalyze engagement? So what my experience has been is that it has a huge impact on shifting the whole engagement scenario. I think if we look at engagement scores, um, and you're, if you're in the HR organization, the engagement scores are going in the wrong direction. But you have all the external events happening in the world that would suggest that there's nothing that you're going to do to change the external events. And you're struggling to figure out what to do. The question then becomes is what levers do you really have? From my experience is in um, most of the organizations that bring us in bring us in because they they uh, have lost that magic and they don't know how to get it back. Right. And when we start doing this work with people, when we reignite, the, the way I think about this is this, purpose is only present if the curious little kid inside of you shows up. Right. Now, I can't think of anything more engaging and energizing and dynamic than the curious little kid inside of you and me. Mm, I know exactly what you mean. I just saw it in the, in the airport as I was traveling. It was so great. And so with that, the opportunity is, is if you have that across an organization, you're going to have a very different level of engagement than if you don't. And in some ways, that's what we're looking to access is how do we get the whole system to wake up? I mean, I've got, I've got an organization right now that's decided to roll this out to 25,000 people. Wow. And the reason why is because it worked for the top 5,000 and they got all energized and everybody else said, oh, whatever they got, I want some of that. And so it's, 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 you know, in some ways it becomes infectious as to what happens when you start to see all these people who have who use something. What, why are they so energized? What's going on? And so in some ways it is a, it is a virus that we all would like to have, which is <laughs> level of energy. So the engagement shifts. And what happens is people start having more authentic conversations, more transparent conversations, and all of that generates very different effect. Yeah, and if we're if we're fueled from a sense of purpose and we feel united in that, all the more so, yeah? Absolutely. And, you know, if we look at organizational purpose, um, the, the challenge with organizational purpose by itself is, is that it is 
it's how do you connect to it? And if you know what your purpose is and what your connection is between your individual purpose and the organization's purpose, it gives you a whole different arc of why you're there. Absolutely. Yeah, interestingly enough, Nick, when I, I researched how people experience meaning in their work in relation to their identity, and one of the modes of 15 that I found was organizational mission alignment, and it's, I kind of map it over to that, but, and how, what a space of, you know, these guys are on fire when they're in that place. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. So, one of the other things that you talk about in your book that I love the way you write about this, Nick, it's just so crisp and clear and accessible. You talk about doing the, the hard right over the easy wrong as, as an element of impact, Will you say more about that? Yeah, I think, um, you know, the hard right versus easy wrong comes from the crew at West Point and it's from the cadet prayer. Um, and it talks about doing the hard right versus easy wrong and going for the whole truth um, instead of just the half. And look, what I've seen over and over again is that um, most of us are struggling. It's easy for all of us to know what the easy wrong is um, in hindsight. And the challenge is, is in the moment, do we make the hard choice and do we make that hard right choice that as a result of it is for the bigger cause or the bigger us? You know, one of the stories that I ended up having that I have in the book is actually about a colleague I know from West Point who uh, was on track to become a one-star general. He was with Petraeus during the surge and he decided that that wasn't what he wanted to do. He wanted to train leaders. He didn't want to be the leader. Um, which in the military is kind of a weird thing to do to make that shift. But he went back to school and he was in Boston. And um, he was uh, running in the Boston Marathon in 2013 with a blind colleague. And he was at the finish line when the first of the uh, bombs went off. Yeah. And um, he was tr- he'd, he'd done a number of tours of duty. So for him, that was no different than being in Afghanistan. So he started doing triage and he was actually, he saved six people's lives and the EMTs were, were like overwhelmed. They didn't, they'd never seen anything like this. And he was teaching them in real time what to do to stop the bleeding in certain situations and what you had to do to make, create the tension. And, you know, in some ways he had spent the six months before that wondering whether he'd made the biggest mistake in his life, getting off of the, the general career track. You know, but after that event, he realized why he was, one of the reasons he was there was so he could be there in that moment. So it was the hard right versus the easy wrong. We never know what it is until in hindsight. Okay, now purpose in some ways always knows. Okay, very rarely does it let us know why. But if we do follow it, we tend to find ourselves accessing and operating from those choices that end up being more the hard right versus easy wrong. You know, Nick, I totally get that because um, I left a perfectly good consulting job, um, you know, to <laughs> jump off a cliff and go do this purpose stuff. Oh, boy, was that, you know, the hard right over the easy wrong. I really get it. <laughs> uh, yeah, exactly. It's a tough, you know, and don't make it easy, girl. It's like, this is a really tough thing. And I just sometimes am humble. I say, I say, oh, my gosh, it's like there's so many other things that would be so much easier for me to do than you know, purpose. So I'm like, oh, my God. But I tell you, what, writing the book for me was the hard right because I resisted writing the book for about five years. And my purpose finally said, listen, I'm not going to let you stop. You're, you're going to, I'm going to, you know, you're just going to do this thing. So it's like, oh, my God. I, 
Yeah, so anyway. I got that, and that's how I actually finally birthed my first draft of, of my first book. I promised Ooh. myself I'd do it by the end of last year, and I did do it, Nick, so you're right. Um, it does work, this purpose stuff. So, <laughs> all right, let's grab our last break here. I'm Elise Cortez. I'm your host. We've been on the air with Nick Craig. He is the author of the newly published book, Leading from Purpose, and the president of Core Leadership Institute, where he guides executives on the journey to discover and lead with purpose. Stay with us. We'll be right back. Elise Cortez is a speaker and engagement and development catalyst. She designs and delivers professional development, leadership, and engagement workshops and can bring her expertise to your organization. She will help ignite meaningful development within your workforce that will increase employee engagement, performance, and retention. To learn more or to invite Elise to speak to your organization, please visit her at www.elisecortez.com. She would welcome the opportunity to help get your employees working on purpose. This is Working on Purpose with Elise Cortez. To reach our program today, send an email to Elise, A-L-I-S-E, at EliseCortez.com. Now... Back to Working on Purpose. Thanks for staying with us, and welcome back to Working on Purpose. If you're just tuning in, my guest is Nick Craig. He is the author of the newly published book, Leading from Purpose, and the president of the Core Leadership Institute, where he guides executives on the journey to discover and lead with purpose. He has worked with organizations including Ben & Jerry's, Heineken, ING Bank, Lego, Unilever, and the United States Military Academy at West Point. I'm your host, Elise Cortez. So for this last segment here, Nick, we don't have much time here, but I definitely want to hit a couple of high points that I think are hopelessly fascinating. (laughs) (laughs) Hopelessly. Yes, I find them fascinating. So hopefully somebody else in the audience will too. But we're still talking about impact from purpose. And one of the things that you distinguish in your book is fulfillment versus happiness. Say more about that. Oh, yeah. So, um, look, it turns out that... um, Purpose and happiness are not directly connected to each other. Everyone thinks that if you have much, if you're clear on your purpose, that your life you'll be much happier and so forth. And actually, it's an interesting reality is that um, for many of the people I know is that they have been willing to postpone um, instantaneous happiness for purpose. That purpose will have us um, be willing to persevere and do the tough stuff. Um, much, much longer than we would be otherwise, and in some ways uh, postpone the happiness piece. Um, I, there's, I mean, there's a lot of research around um, being a parent, okay? And it turns out that if you have one kid, it has a little bit of impact negatively on your happiness, but if you have two kids, it's like it really clearly has an impact. And the challenge is, is that none of us would give up having our kids because of the meaning that it brings to us. Right. So I think that when we look at um, there's a deeper fulfillment that purpose is, purpose brings to us and satisfaction. Um, happiness is, and I, I have a, a benefit of working with Ben and Jerry's and Heineken. If I give you uh, Ben and Jerry's and Heineken 
and you know you have enough of it, you'll be very happy for a small for a period of time. Now, there's the hangover that comes from both of those. Oh, yeah, I was just going to say, what a great thing ice cream and beer works for me. I was actually working with Ben and Jerry's once, and I saw the Heineken truck pull up, and I was like, <laughs> okay. So I finally have gotten both of these guys in the same place at the same time. Now that I'm working with Lego, I'm trying to see if we can get all three of them together and see if we come up with a whole new product suite. So anyway, we'll see. <laughs> I love it. All the innovation that can come from working on purpose, too. Um, exactly. Right. Um, well, so another part of your, your book that I think is quite interesting, the whole piece of saving yourself and saving the world. Um, you talk about how saving the world is very different from leading a life of purpose, because even the, the guy selling Jiffy, peanut butter needs purpose. So what do you mean? So uh, one of the biggest places, if I look at most of the people I've worked with when they get clear on what their purpose is, um, they quickly go running out of the room and they go impact all the people around them. And it is incredible to watch the real impact that these individuals have as they now know why they're here. But what happens over time is is that when I see them about two or three years later, it's like so, it looks like somebody uh, threw them in, in the lake and they're like just coming out and they're like a little bit whatever. And I go, so what's up with you? Well, it turns out that they forgot to do one critical thing that if they don't do, then it's not going to work very long term. Is they forgot to apply their purpose to themselves. And so, as I talk about this particular case in the book, I had a woman who ended up working as head of HR for the World Food Program. And she was literally saving women's lives. And her purpose was about helping women, helping the 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 woman inside of us and we all have that that isn't taken care of and helping to take care of that part of us and she was doing this in refugee camps and everywhere else and dealing with all kinds of amazing turnarounds and things but the challenge was is that her physical body was falling apart wow and what we realized was is that she was applying her purpose to every person on the planet but herself uh, the other fun example I have is I had a woman uh, another lady who was a uh, uh, head of sustainability for a big company, and she was physically falling apart. I said, "Well, how sustainable is that?" Okay, and it's just it just goes to reinforce the fact that that the the most important and powerful area of congruency for each of us is to apply our purpose not just to the rest of the world but also to ourselves. Mm-hmm. And it's the reason why most of us don't do that is because we don't des- think we deserve it. It's funny you say this, Nick. I'm out speaking here in about three weeks to a group of women who are in healthcare, And part of the message is, hey, look, don't forget to take care of yourself as you're out there caring for everyone else. Um, I, I don't know why. I don't know if you feel the same way, but it seems like women are even more inclined to, 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 to do that where they're caring for others at the expense of themselves. Do you agree with that or am I way off? No, I, I think that um, if we take it outside of... Uh, the physical form, we take it into the more the like the sense of masculine versus versus more more feminine. The healer or uh, archetype is more of a feminine archetype, you could argue. And I think with that, it is one that tends to cause the healer is the last person to get healed. And I definitely think that um, you know I know a lot of people, a lot of women who uh, are just so humbled by trying to take care of everybody else. Yes. And and it, it's 
uh, a friend of mine refers to it as the big little one. They were always the more adult one in the system, even when they were a kid, and they never learned how to be taken care of. Okay, I have a, my wife is a nurse, and she's the worst person when she's sick. <laughs> oh, I just got access to something for myself for that. I am the oldest of four, and I just came back from um, burying my mother, or actually she was cremated, and it, it didn't even occur to me not to take the helm of all that and just run with it. And so you just gave me something. Thank you, Nick. Oh, you're so welcome. I mean, I think that the... Um, you know, we see purpose and we see it as something that we can go change the world with, but I truly believe that the world that has to be changed first is the one that's inside us. And when we are healed ourselves, we heal other people without actually having to heal them. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And if we don't, then we have to put all this effort into it. We have to make all this noise and all this, it has to be a, such a big show. And then we feel exhausted at the end of it. And I'm like, okay, well, that, you know, that's not very sustainable. If we look at the planet and we look at climate change and we look at everything, at some level, at the at its essence, it's our own inability to honor ourselves that causes us not to honor this planet that we sit on. So it's I've, I've had evening sessions with people where we really go and look at where are we leading from our purpose and where are we not in our life and ourselves. And I have gotten more grown men who've never cried in their life to be in tears as they finally look at the consequence of the not having taken care of themselves in the ways that they need to. Oh my gosh, how beautiful, Nick, that you that you can do work in a way that gives men access to something like that. I, I always find it amazing, and I don't know why we're so hard as a society on men so that they feel like they can't cry, but if you can get them to cry and get that access, Nick, that's amazing work. I am the magic at making people cry. <laughs> <laughs> I've gotten better, and I just I just talk right through it. The, you know, my mascara is running down my face, and I'm, I might be sobbing a little bit, but I can get right through it. <laughs> well, but I think here's the thing. I think, you know, beautiful thing about, let's talk about crying for one second. You know, outside of being an actor or an actress, for the rest of us, probably one of the few emotions that truly are impossible to fake is when we cry. Yeah. And crying is usually because something really touches us and it, and it has such a really impact. And and I think that in some ways, uh, purpose uh, is right there. Okay. And so I just think that it's, um, when people end up crying around me is, is I know that that's a sacred place and it's a place in which something authentic has shown up. And for the person, they always say to me, you know, I, I never, I, I never cry. I'm like, that's good. Then this must be really a good moment because then let's go find out what's on the other side of that. You know, Nick, I so appreciate the word you use there, sacred. Yes, I just did a program on Friday with with some women and all of us, of course, shed tears. And it is, it's sacred. It is a beautiful thing to be able to get to live and be on that level with someone and get access and open something with someone so they can be there for themselves. They can let those tears come down their, their face. Absolutely. Exactly. Well, we're getting close to the to the end of the show already, and I wish I could have more time with you because I love what you're up to and how you go about it, but I have at least a couple more questions I want to ask you. One, this is kind of a burning question for me. Um, you warn us somewhere in your book, I forget where, to be careful to not let our strengths get in the way of our purpose. What What do you mean by this? How would our strengths be detrimental to our purpose? Yeah, I didn't particularly like this chapter. <laughs> okay. <laughs> And so, you know, here's the, 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 the what I've discovered is, um, 
Look, well, there's a lot of there's a lot of narrative around you know focus on your strengths and so forth. Uh, you know, purpose is bigger than our strengths are, and in some sense, um, we will work use our strengths in spite of our purpose. And I think that in some sense, purpose is going to have us go places that our strengths might not have us go, and may have us work on things that, for the most part, we don't even think is a strength. But in some sense, a purpose doesn't care about that. Um, I mean, I have certain strengths, and uh, you know, one of the stories I tell is about I, I raised two girls, and uh, I'm really great at being on stage and running around teaching all this stuff, and um, being at home and being just schlepping the kids around was never a strength for me. Right. Um, and so I went and did all my strengths, and the problem was is that then at some point the girls. Um, we had one of those evenings in which everything went wrong. And the girls are yelling and screaming at me because I picked them up too early and then I'm yelling and screaming at them and they're all, everyone, and it's just so awful. And the next day they say, you know, Dad, uh, we don't want to come, we don't want to spend any more time with you. Now I'm divorced, so this is a slight dilemma. Here I am teaching pro- programs on purpose and my two girls are like, Dad, we don't want to hang out with you. <laughs> right. And, you know, in that moment, I realized, you know, if I was going to live my purpose, it wasn't about what my, you know, focusing on my strengths wasn't going to get me where I needed to go. Well, I think you say it really beautifully in the book. If I, I, I'm sure I'll butcher this. You can, you can fix it for me. But you say that really purpose is the foundation on which we can then use or work and add or leverage our purpose, our values, something like that. Yes. Yeah, and, and in some sense, it, it, it's that place that, you know, the, all these other things we can develop, but purpose is the one thing that is always there. Okay, I love that. Oh, so I think this is probably going to be one of our last questions here, Nick, and this one is very, very, very important, too. It's the, it's the mastery question. So once we have found our purpose, how do we continue to master it and live from it across all parts of our lives? How do, how do we make sure it doesn't go away? Yeah, and so I think... This is the way. Um, the challenge about your living your purpose is that you mostly, when you're living in your purpose, you don't notice it. It's only when you throw it, when you're not, and it starts to really get to be awfully painful that you realize that you're not and you step back in. So it's a cycle. Now, when you know what your purpose is, is the cycle takes a lot less time and you iterate through it. And, um, you know, I've had a number of executives that I've worked with in, in, in leaders where uh, helping them see where were they leading from purpose and where were they not and how would they bring it into that situation was the biggest transformation in their lives. Um, and one of the stories I told in the book was of a guy who was a senior who ran a, a business. It was very successful. He was a high flyer. And he was great at being in front of a room or one-on-one, but when he was managing his team, he would answer the questions before anybody would even know what the question was. Wow. And, you know, what he realized was that if he was going to live his purpose, he really had to uh, bite his tongue and allow others to really give their gift. And it was a it was an incredible insight for him to see how this pattern fills 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 around and the discipline, and the rigor required to learn this process of mm-hmm. being this deeper, fuller, wiser part of his his purpose. Said to him, "That's great that you, you, but if you really want to master purpose, 
here's the here's the dark place you have to go through. Okay. Wow. Purpose wow. Let's do the hard stuff that we wouldn't do otherwise. Right. And that is a beautiful way for us to finish, Nick. I, I really want to thank you so much for taking time out of your crazy busy schedule to join us for this conversation. I was so looking forward to sharing it with, um, with my listeners across the globe. So thank you for being on Working on Purpose. Well, it was wonderful being on this call with you. And I just love your level of energy and what you bring to this dialogue about purpose. So at least thank you so much for allowing me to participate with you on this journey. Thank you, Nick. It's, it's a, it is a great journey, one well worth going after. So if you want to learn more about Nick Craig, his, his book, Leading from Purpose, or the work he and his team are doing to help leaders discover and lead from their purpose, visit their website. It's coreleader.com. Again, coreleader.com. If you missed last week's show, you can always catch up your recorded podcast. We were on the air with Max Hansen of Y Scouts. They are a recruiting firm that focuses on placing executives with purpose. Next week, we'll be on the air with Rana Zia about talking about her book, Your Hidden Light, a personal guide to creating your desired life. See you then. Remember that work is at least one third of our life, so let's work on purpose. We hope you've enjoyed this week's program. Be sure to tune in to Working on Purpose, featuring your host, Elise Cortez, each week on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. This week, find your life's purpose at work.